Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Just for me, getting back out there, getting my timing back, and um, it's it's tough. It's tough when you uh, don't have the guys next to you and the guys in front of you to do your job. But uh, thankfully, I got called this morning, so that was clear to come in, and I was able to get a full Friday at work. We got a good practice in today, and uh, super excited. You know, it's just you know it's big, especially for an offensive lineman position that's all about timing and being in the right spots. You, you know, it's tough to come off of a week off and do that. Bears right guard, starting right guard, still a right guard. One of the two familiar names in the starting offensive line, Jermaine Effetti. Charles Leno Jr. is the other one at left tackle, still yelling, hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> and the rest are, well, Arlington Hambright, who sounds like a hedge fund at left guard. Probably Alex Bars, since they don't have any real centers, he's going to be the center. And then Rashad Coward who's given up 12 pressures in the last three weeks. There's your offensive line. Seems like we should talk to an offensive lineman about just what this kind of setup means for the Bears, for the offense, for the game. And that's what we're going to do. Jay Hilgenberg joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. Jay is part of our brother station, WBBM, 780 AM, 105.9 105.9 FM, the pregame, postgame, halftime show. Jay, thanks for coming on. And this, whatever's going on with the offensive line and whatever combination is going to be there, what do you think and how does this work? Well, hey, guys, nice to be on the show. Uh, finally, I missed you the last couple of weeks. Um, but um, you get me on after a double loss is good. But... Um, <laughs> The, uh, the the Bears the Bears line I think it just has to be um, you got to keep it simple you know it's just got to be have a, a handful of runs a um, couple of a counter plays a couple of draws a couple of screens uh, and then in pass protection I would go nothing but play action I, I just wouldn't do a drop back pass and uh, block five guys I would max protect uh, you know. And uh, just be aggressive. Tell these guys to go out there and fight for three hours. And, you know, it, it'll be fun to, wa- to watch these guys. Uh, the NFL is all about uh, guys uh, getting opportunities. And uh, so it'll be, it'll be kind of a neat thing to, to see. So you, you just got to – those guys are there for a reason. There, there's someone there in the organization. They would not be in the NFL if someone didn't believe in them. So um, let's see what they can do. 
Jerry, I have a follow-up on that, but first let me get the emotional part of this interview out of the way. I miss seeing your face out at Soldier Field, right. and a <laughs> virus has kept us away from each other. I know. It's like the highlight of the day almost, walking down uh, to the see what the food looks like before this as we go on the radio <laughs> exactly we'd go we would uh, jay and i would walk down together and see what the spread from joe stone crab was and it was always deluxe and we are missing that the human touch is simply not there this year but jay yeah, yeah we had a be- um go ahead no well, i just said we had a beat little z there yeah, yeah, exactly. Little Z, the ironically named Little Z, right? And there was always four or five sandwiches missing already, so you had to get down there before one of the Zerangs got down there. That is for sure. Um, follow up to what you were saying, though, about the simplicity that the Bears offense should probably install this week. Could that actually, in a bigger picture, benefit the Bears just to see what that looks like as opposed to the usual full complicated scheme put out there by Matt Nagy just to try something different? Could this actually benefit the team as a whole? Yes, I I think so. Uh, Definitely. If if they're having lots of mental errors out there, it seems like, you know, the couple of delay of games, uh, penalties that they've had, that's a real tell uh, of people struggling mentally with the game. So, yeah, it's it's the mental errors that, that kill you in football. You know, physically you're going to get beat every now and then, but, you know, you're going to find out what, what you have in the guys and uh, have confidence that call play back again. And, and guys can will learn uh, physically. And But um, it, 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 it's, it's those untimely uh, penalties that the Bears have been having uh, this season and the, the interceptions lately also it's just are killers to them. And just – I. Yeah, I believe in what you're saying, that just a simple game plan, just be aggressive, come off the ball, which is so much play action involved. Because really, I mean, uh, you look at this defense, the Titans defense, they struggle in third down. Uh, They're like the worst third down defense in the NFL. So just keep it a manageable third down and and keep the change uh, going because that Titans offense with Derrick Henry, if you get an entire defense out there with Derrick Henry running the ball, he's uh, he could embarrass some, some of those tacklers out there. We're talking with Jay Hilgenberg here on The Score. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody with you. Jay, the, the point about the Bears, the, the mental errors, lack of execution, the lack of discipline, all that, that's not new. These timeouts, you know, call a timeout coming out of a timeout, call a delay a game call coming out of a timeout that – the way they burn timeouts and the way the coach's play caller has been unable to see the game in front of him, I just don't I don't have a lot of optimism that this this guy will become a good coach. I don't think Matt Nagy is a good coach now. I don't think he sees the game in front of him. So when you talk about keep it simple, does he strike you as a guy who is capable of keeping it simple? Well, I, I think you know that's the that's the thing about the NFL. You uh, you see coaches come in with their system, and uh, they have a, a lot of strength in that system. And and if things go well, it, it, they they keep with. It. If it doesn't, uh, they have one or two things. They're either going to adjust their system, or, or is, there's going to be a new coach. So um, I, 
I I believe I believe uh, Matt Matt Nagy. I, I don't believe this is a play call. You know, I, I look at it. I, I look at things as a player. You know, I, I've always said that the um, the the way the, the these game plans and the the are drawn out. Uh, each play is drawn out to uh, succeed. So I mean, I look at it as more as the you know the player responsibility and player execution uh, on plays and. You know, I, I see. I see fundamentally a lot of the offensive line play that 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 is kind of unsettling. Hmm, that's interesting. That's in, like what you just said there. Wait, like that, what? That, like that, what that, exactly? That's, that's nothing new. I mean, it, it's really, it's really kind of been since you know this is this we're going to evolve to a conversation like Tom there and I every time we talk to each other on a phone call is. Is just the fundamentals of football really changed since since we played? Um, since Dick Stansfield, our offensive line coach, you don't see the guys fundamentally with their feet come off the ball and, and, and engage and engage uh, defensive linemen uh, with their hands inside their chest and try to finish blocks. It's just it's more it's evolved to more big guys, you know, stepping sideways and occupying space. And having a back trying to find a space to go through instead of having an offensive lineman come off the ball and dominate. So they're so they're taught differently. Um, yeah, I, the, the fundamentals of the footwork of your uh, of what we were how we were taught taught and how it's taught today. Yes, but there are some teams that that do come off the ball more than others. So that's so you don't. Go ahead, Stevie. Go ahead. No, no, I just wanted to let everybody know we're talking with Jay Hilgerberg, an offensive lineman for the 1985 Bears. A Bears line that led the league in time of possession for five straight years, if you want to know how that defense stayed so fresh. That's how <laughs> right. they did it. Exactly. Exactly. That's a, that's that's the biggest unknown story about the, the, the Bears during the those years is that we were leading the NFL and rushing in time of possession so long. It was, you know, it was, it was hand in hand. We had a great defense. They got a lot of three outs, three and outs, and then we would have long drives. So it, it works hand in hand. And that's just, that's what's frustrating as a Bear fan is because right now they have this defense that's so strong and the offense is, is struggling. And But, hey, you know, tomorrow's a new day. You got some new guys possibly going in there. Um, they're going to have to run the ball to, to keep that defense fresh. So hopefully, you know, they, they can get something going. They, they got it going a little bit more this this past week than the the three previous games. But it, it's it has to be that consistent running game you can count on because Foles. Hey, I, I like what Foles like, throwing that ball deep to to Mooney. Uh, he's been a fine this year. So that, that those are things we can build on. Yeah, I really liked what Darnell Moody has done, and it sounds like, from all accounts, this is sustainable. It's not just like a, a rookie getting lucky. Like This is a guy who's earnest in his studies and his want to be great in the NFL, so that's a really good thing. By the way, uh, Hilgi, you mentioned in the time of possession with the 85 Bears, I think it's time that you, me, and uh, Tom Thayer, we write the book, and it's going to be called The Truth about 1980 to 1985 bears <laughs> and, that will inc- and that will include the offense <laughs> right exactly as opposed to just the defense it sounds good to me yeah man but that's, a, that's actually the right combination for when you when you're the bears defense and you're facing derrick derrick henry 
the right thing to do is run the ball, shorten the game, eat clock, do whatever you can, and commit to it. And that's the way you keep the Bears' defense fresh and you keep the greatest offensive weapon Tennessee has off the field. And that comes down to one of two things. Either the, the, the play caller commits to it or the quarterback audibles to it on a consistent basis so that, indeed, that carries out, that, that, that you carry out that game plan. And, and I think that's something, will you see that early? Do you, see the, the, do, you, do you, Jay, need to see the Bears commit to the run in the first two series and make it, make it whatever they need to do? Don't throw on first down, don't throw on second, even if you got to be predictable, predictable and throw on third. But you're going to have to commit to the run and try to show that you're tough because their toughness has been questioned. That offensive line, that offense's toughness has been questioned. Don't you need to show all of that, prove all of that wrong? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, hey, I believe in the, the physical running game. So, yeah, I, I believe in that in every week uh, that you need to do it. But you got to have the guys executing it. Um, you can't be jumping off sides. Uh, was it last week uh, or the week before the first series? They had a great series going on uh, the penalty. I think that was the Rams game. Uh, had, had the penalty right right off the bat that, that stopped yeah. that drive. Um, it, it, this offense is not good enough right now to overcome these, these bad, these one play, these uh, holding call or uh, an offsides. Uh, so they, they got to, so you're right. It, it's, it's the running game. It's going to help, help the, the, this team, uh, the bears win tomorrow. I just, I would hate to be a defensive back for the Bears if you're out there on the field all day long. It's going to be hot out there, and here comes Jerry Kendry in the fourth quarter, and you got to come up and try to make a tackle on him. I mean, he's going to watch <laughs> out for that that's, that stiff arm he has. Yeah, man. And why, in general, this year, Jay, do you think the Bears' defense has given up more explosive plays than they have in the past couple of years? Why have they not been as sturdy against the run? What have you seen? Yeah, I, I just think it's kind of what, what what jumped in my mind all the time. It's just like the Bears just really play kind of just a, a red zone uh, football game. They just try to they yeah. try to get in the red zone, and uh, you know it, they'll take chances defensively a little bit uh, from the twenty to twenty. But uh, when they get the red zone, you know they they stiffen up and uh, do all field goals. Or not all field goals, of course, but uh, it, it's it's been. Pretty good, but the, the running—it um, it has hurt them in a couple games. Well, Jay, we we appreciate your time. We're glad we caught up. We tried to catch up to you when they were winning, and we wondered how this magic <laughs> was happening. Right. And then you finally became—we did. We did the let the record show. We tried to catch up to you when they were five and one. That's and the true. Fact that you you were unavailable, and now they're five and three. Is clearly it's all on you. It's not on Matt Nagy, the bad play caller, and lack bad head coach who can't coach discipline and execution but maybe that you visited with us will be a sign and omen will be a a talisman of good luck for tomorrow that they will actually be able to run the ball and run it to victory there you go well hey if they win next week up i'll I'll come back on this next week how about that all right if you you want me i I shouldn't i shouldn't presume you know I, we'd, lo- we'd, we'd love to have you all the time, and we'll worry about Mark doing Joe's 
stone crab. We'll mark. We'll put mark on that and see how. We'll have a we'll have a virtual eating session. It'll be great. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right, that's Jay Hogenberg, center for the 1985 Bears. Uh, again, that line, that that offense led the league in time of possession five straight years. That's why the 46 defense could be so fresh and and tear quarterbacks' heads off. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the game plan for tomorrow. Just run, 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 and let the Bears' defense give everything it has to stop Derrick Henry on a couple plays and not let him average 4.8 yards a carry. You can hear Jay Helgenberg uh, on the pregame, postgame, halftime show, WBBM, 780 AM, our brother station over there. But I got to tell you, we have a pregame show, postgame show as well, right here on the score. The Bet Rivers pregame show presented by MailMedChicago.com. It kicks off at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. Hub Arkishal and Cruz Patrick Manley and that man over there, Mark Grody. They'll all bring you stuff. You can listen to it live on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. Get the latest on inactives, the keys to the game, and all the Bears news. You know what I think we need to do now, Mark, is I think we need to share with people. You need to tell people what you heard this week. Yes, I do. We need to go to our new segment, What Mark Heard. And, boy, this was a week to be hearing stuff. This is a week of whiplash and getting worn out. So you'll do that for us because you're a giver, not a taker. Right, Mark? You are correct. I've got four key cuts from the week to enhance the segment of things that I heard this week. And just a little tease, little tease. The yep, first yep. thing with that, that we're going to talk about is... Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn. I heard something about Robert Quinn that was very interesting. So be ready for that. And then some more predictable things as well. All right. We can discuss that. And we will. What Mark heard coming up next. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde. It is Saturday suckage. Less sucky than a lot of days that we've experienced. Um, so we have our work cut out for us. Uh, our new segment is right now, What Mark Heard. As Mark pursues and does his job as a Bears reporter for the score during the week, and he is the sideline reporter for home games well for every game in a non-pandemic year on the bears broadcast 780 am 105.9 fm wbbm with jeff joniak and tom thayer but this this year he continues to report on the bears for the score and he hears things and we need to know what mark heard so listen up people get smarter and, and let's all prepare for the Bears game the way we need to. Mark, tell us. You ready for this, man? Okay, one of the things that I heard this week was, and this didn't get a lot of attention because there were so many things going on, but I heard Bears defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano lamenting seemingly legitimately the way he has been using Robert Quinn. Take a listen. He's done a good job. Um, obviously, he got off to a, a fantastic start in his first play. Um, <clears throat> again, I got I, I always look at myself first, and I got to do a better job making sure put him in, uh, you know, more situations. I think he feels uh, a heck of a lot more comfortable uh, in our system in the scheme. Um, you know, he's been asked to do some things that he hasn't been asked to do before, so he's adapted well uh, to that. Ted's done a great job with him. Um, you know, getting him, getting him oiled up on everything. But again, I got to do uh, a lot better job of putting him in situations uh, where, you know, he can excel and use his athleticism and uh, his rush ability, all those things to make plays for us. So 
this year, Robert Quinn has played in seven games. Remember, he missed the first game of the season with an injury. He has just the one sack from that first series that he played in. He has a couple of forced fumbles this year, does Robert Quinn. And sometimes, Steve, when a coach blames himself, it's just them falling on the sword, and it doesn't really mean a thing. But honestly, in this case, just from getting to know Chuck Pagano a little bit through the Zoom press conferences and from last year, I do think that he is being sincere when he says that he's, it, it sounds like he's figured some things out and that he, as a coach, has not been putting Robert Quinn in a perfect situation in which to succeed. And I think that just having one quarterback sack this year is some of the evidence. There just haven't been a lot of splash plays from Robert Quinn. And I do think that some of it has to do just in general with the base scheme of the 3-4 this year, which Quinn is not used to. And I don't know if he has adapted as well. And I think that Chuck Pagano is figuring that out, that you gotta you got to let him loose a little bit. you got to free him up to do the things that he does well because he hasn't been a great compliment yet this year to Khalil Mack. Not to the degree that we all thought he would be. And Quinn, make no mistake about it, he does get double teamed, but he has not been the force that we thought he would be. Do you think it's pass coverage, period, that's it? When when Pagano <laughs> says that he's been asked to do things that he's he's not used to and he's adapted, but but isn't it just yeah. that? I think, I think that's fair to say. I think that that probably is the simplest explanation. I'm sure that there are some other things that they're having Quinn do or positions that they've put him in that he's lamenting there as well. But I do think that has something to do with But this is not strange to a Chuck Pagano defense. I mean, we've seen plenty of Khalil Mack since last year dropping back in coverage to the chagrin of yeah. many. But... Yeah, I do think that that has something to do with it. And I'm guessing there's more to it. And, you know, he was not going to give us the minutiae on that. But I just think that this might be a big game for Robert Quinn. I just think that this might be a bit of a breakout performance for Quinn. Well, that would be a good thing, getting in the way of Derrick Henry. So, all right, so what's next or what Mark heard this week? All right, let's get into... uh, Mr. Falls, the quarterback for the Chicago Bears, your starter, Nick Falls, asked a very simple question, and he gave a pretty thorough answer to it. He was asked to evaluate his own play. Playing is, uh, you know, just continuing the garner reps and build that database of information. Um, Obviously, I want to continue to play better and better and better, and I'm not where I want to be, but... Uh, I, I'm working every single day to get better for my teammates and my coaches and the Chicago Bears. Um, and it, I know it doesn't just happen. It happens with, you know, continuing to trust your my routine, whether it's film study or what it may be, and then continuing to endure um, adversity um, in a positive way and making sure I don't, you know, let negative thoughts come in my mind um, as we've all experienced and just continue to lean on my teammates and coaches. So, uh, with my play, I want to continue to improve. I want to continue to get better and better and better. Um, and I think that's all of us because, I mean, we have a lot of room for improvement. And I know that the mindset on the football field today was let's just keep getting better and better and just focus on the little things. So I'm doing that as well. Uh, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm going to keep working towards that goal of getting better. All right, eight touchdowns to seven picks this year for Nick Foles. By comparison, the Titans starters, we've talked about it, Ryan Tannehill, 17 touchdowns to three picks. One word to describe the play of Foles this year, Mr. Rosenblum, to me is surprising. Surprising because I just thought it would be better 
it would look differently, and it hasn't. So I, I don't know what we're... I'm guessing you have a better, more caustic word to use, Steve, but I am surprised. <laughs> I am surprised by the play of Nick Foles so far this year. Well, I... Okay, this is why Nagy sucks. Foles sucks, and it's a reason why Nagy sucks, why he's a bad coach. This wasn't supposed to happen. Nick Foles was brought in specifically to avoid this kind of loss of calibration or right. this this kind of bad attention to details, right? Weren't we yes. told? Weren't we sold on the idea that this this whole cocoon of quarterback, this group hug of guys that knows Nick Foles and Nick Foles knows them and the offense and all of us, he wasn't supposed to suck this year because of that. So it's a combination of the head coach not having a good enough play caller and the quarterback not being anywhere near. Look, what he told, what, what Nick Foles told Brian Greasy was true. And, and those plays aren't working. The, the, and it's not a crime, but the, the major, the failure of Nick Foles is not saying that to Negi. And if he did, he didn't say it often enough. And if he did, then Negi is an even greater failure for not responding to it, for giving your, putting your quarterback into a position to succeed. Weren't we told this, that Nick Foles was supposed to be the, we were going to avoid all of these excuses because he had such experience with these coaches and with this system? Yeah, we didn't expect that Nick Foles was going to be great with the Bears. But, yeah, all, all those things, like that essential minimal competency was supposed to all be their communication issues. <laughs> all of that, right? Like, that was the stuff we weren't supposed to – it wasn't supposed to look at all like it looked with Mitchell Trubisky. And save for that first game against Atlanta, which was incredible. Incre- like, think back to that game where he's throwing downfield, he's hitting Javon Wims and, like – these guys, like, it was amazing. It was like, okay, we know we're not going to, he's not going to play on a 10 like that all year, but okay, there's something here. And then it just hasn't been what we expected. So I'll stick with surprising. Not that it can't get better, but every week they keep using the word communication and communication issues. That's not necessarily a good thing. That's an indictment. And I love the idea of minimal competency. I think that'd be a really good name for a pitchfork band if they ever get pitchfork back <laughs> together. All right, what else did you hear, Mark? All right, my man, let's uh, let's. Okay, we uh, you had Jay Hilgenberg pointing to penalties. The Bears are the most penalized team in the league. Yeah. What say you about that, Matt Nagy? That's something that you have to understand as a head coach, no matter of the why part, right? That's the simple fact. The fact of the matter is, is that, like you said, if, if we are leading the league in penalties and then you have something like that, that happened yesterday, you never want that to, to happen ever from nobody on your team. And it's an emotional game and people can get into it. But again, just knowing who Javon Wims is as a person and a high character guy, that's the part that I thought was surprising. So yeah, I mean, until it gets changed, I have to be able to ex- accept responsibility for it and I have to be able to focus on the why part and I need to hold myself and the coaching staff accountable because we're the ones that basically are the conduit to the players on how they're acting on game day until it stops I got to take full responsibility for it there are two concrete ways in which fans and the media will evaluate and feel emboldened to evaluate quarterbacks two ways is when 
they their team is sloppy. They have a lot of penalties, mistakes, undisciplined, and teams will or, and fans will pounce on coaches for that. And coaches know that. The other one too is effort. You'll always hear the coaches will never ever ever denigrate their team's effort because they know that that falls on them. If, if you notice, Matt Nagy, even when he's been at his is angriest, like he was what yes. was it a few weeks ago after that one game? I can't even right. remember who it was now. <laughs> remember where he was just ripping on the offense? But he said it's not effort. It's not effort. It's not effort because he knows he knows even if it is effort he's not going to say it's effort because that is an absolute indictment on the head coach so it sounds like he is he is owning it that that falls on him but he hates it and any coach would because they know that maybe it's not on them but it is on them i i still have less of an issue with what javon wims did that's a guy going off than the fact that there are repeated communication failures that cause you to waste time out, get a penalty, guys not lined up, whatever you're doing, delay a game, that kind of stuff. That's repeated. That's Javon Wims being an idiot. Okay, well, we, we, we watched Brandon Marshall do that, and he's not Brandon Marshall in, in either case. He's not nearly as dangerous and he's in, in either area. But the fact that... I. It, it's not an issue whether Matt Nagy wears that. It's that he changes the other stuff. Your team doesn't operate smoothly. This is the third season. Same system. This is a quarterback who should have been ready for this. I don't know how many more excuses you can point to, but that's completely on the coach. That's coaching. That's one of the exact reasons you have a you you give a coach that extra okay he's here for his third year where is the semblance of of communication of efficiency of being disciplined that's where a coach compounds his ability to to get his team right and minimize mistakes or compounds mistakes by his inability to coach correctly that's the way i look at it i don't know it, I'm not seeing it. Have you seen a distribution of penalties of what they are, whether it's delay game or holding or? I've or not looked something? at that. No. Yeah, I, I don't know. I we just because the delay game penalties when you see them like all right, timeout, come out of a timeout, delay games like oh these guys are disorganized, which is should never be the case. And when you see it on on offense with a guy who's so happy with his own offensive, with his own playbook, his whole offense, I just. I don't know how you justify this in the third year. It's awful. And, and one of the arguments I hate in sports, and this goes for many sports when it comes to whomever the boss is, whether it's a manager or a head coach or however yeah. you're phrasing it, is the old argument of, oh, well, Matt Nagy's not the one out there, you know, jumping on the pile like Akeem Hicks. I mean, Matt Nagy's not the one. Um, you know, uh, Joe Madden's not the one out there not getting a base hit with the bases loaded. Well, it, it's true, but it is your. Let's just take the baseball analogy. It it is then on whomever Joe Madden or David Ross to well make a better lineup to put players in position to succeed, change it around a little bit. It is on Matt Nagy to smooth out the sloppiness of play and and tell his players no it's not okay i understand that you know you're playing you're being aggressive and you're playing to the echo of the whistle but you can't do that so you have to put your team in a better position to believe it or not not make penalties so i'm, I'm tired of the whole 
well, the manager's not up there making errors, is he? He's not the one making missing tackles, is he? No, you, well, you you got to you decide your personnel. You put your personnel in a position to win, and if they're not doing it and they're being sloppy, then you got to change the personnel. So you have, the, all week, that, you have all week to coach them out of that. Well, right. It, does, it just doesn't hold water. Yeah, yeah, there are some I things that you. are out of the control of a coach or a manager, but these things are in the control of the head coach, manager, or whomever. So let's not do that anymore, okay? All right, Steve? stop that. Right. That's it. Okay. That's my coaching contribution. Stop that. Stop um, that. Stop that. So what else have you heard, Mark? All what right, I got one hear? more piece of audio here for you. And Darnell Mooney seems to say or do something awesome every week. He had the 50-yard play against the Saints last week, and it sounds like he's a bit of a film rat, too. More so, like, in, in college, I didn't have the time to, like, take out the film and learning the guys and what they have to do. Now I have the opportunity to just do it all the time. Whenever I leave here, I, I can continue to watch film. That way I don't have to go out there and get a feel for what they're doing. Instead, I can just watch film and see what they're doing. 26 catches, 305 yards, two touchdowns this year for the rookie fifth-rounder Darnell Mooney. I ask you this question, Steve Rosenblum. Is he good or is he good for a rookie? Because I think that's a question that's always fair to ask of any rookies in sports. Because as a relative to rookies, he's very good. Is he good in general? I think he's good in general. And maybe the, maybe my problem is that... There's Allen Robinson, and then, oh, my God, give me anything else. Yeah. Uh, this, I, and that's that's always been a problem around here. We certainly had that problem with quarterbacks. What does a quarterback look like? We thought Jay Cutler looked like a quarterback, and we couldn't have been more wrong. We've just been so, you know, the, the Stockholm Syndrome, as you've just fallen in love with your captors. And the, the idea of what he represents, and I think, you know what? You know why I think he's good is because of what we just heard. There's a really good cut you selected, and, and what you heard was a guy having an appreciation for the work he needs to do, the way he's gone through it, and I, to, to use an overdone phrase, trusting the process, but that's kind of the way he's approached it. And, and it's a, I get the feeling there's more attention to detail than with a guy like Anthony Miller, who should have been way ahead of this, but I've got Mooney ahead in my trust rankings i trust mooney more than anthony miller because the details that need to be attended to in this offense by the receivers are something i trust mooney to learn quicker and execute better than anthony miller what say you absolutely and i think you made a great point that the bears have been begging for another guy alternate to Allen Robinson to be good, and it, there have been moments for sure for Anthony Miller, who who did play decently against New Orleans and has had a couple of flashy games this year, had a couple of flashy games last year, but it has not been consistent for him. Let me throw out a name here as a comp, a Bears comp to Darnell Mooney. And is Darnell Mooney, if he was Bernard Barian, would that be satisfying? Because I know there's some, he, he reminds me a little bit of Barian with the speed, body type, and Barian was good with the Bears for a few years and got a big contract with Minnesota, and I don't think he was really great beyond that. But what do you think about that 
that cop. If he was you, Bernard Barry, I, would that guys, be good? Guys, do, do you mind if I chime in real quick? Yeah. I, this is my take on that. No, I think he's better. I think he's waiting for your take. I think he's better than Bernard Barry. Okay. Straight up, like I think okay. I think I've seen enough to say that he's going to be better based on his route running. I think he's a better route runner. I think he's a better all around receiver. Bernard Barian, once he developed, quote unquote, was only really a deep threat. That was pretty much it. Yeah, that's true. Isn't that a good place though to set the over under? Bernard Barian studs. I mean, if we're talking I mean, history of Bears receivers, there's a pretty low bar. So yeah, yeah but I just think that, that that name popped to mind, and I I would tend to I, I want to agree with you for sure. Like I'd put I I want to say. The over on Bernard Barian, that he is over Bernard Barian, but that's just that's kind of where I I have him early on. Um, Steve, what do you think? I I go <clears throat> I go back to what Wani hoped Jack Jackson would be. Oh, Only Mooney Jack can Jackson. catch. He's a threat <laughs> deep, a threat across the middle. Well, they, he kept trying to sell us on Jack Jackson. He had hands worse than than Bellamy, and it was an awful thing to watch. And and the the idea that Mooney pay attention and that Mooney is a threat immediately for what he's done, not just his speed. Um, I think the Barian thing is, I, I just think there's, Mooney show. I get the feeling he can do more than Barian. Okay. That is more, there are more routes. So if he can exceed that, yeah, Mark, that's, that's good. That's, that's wonderful. I need, I would, I still would hold out other let other one two combinations somebody who is if you have your jordy nelson no matter that alan robinson doesn't you know look anything like him or whatever but if you have that guy as your number one threat and can just make magic then who's going to be the next randall cobb or the next Devonte adams who's going to be that other guy that just threatens defenses in a different way and gives the quarterback options and that's where whoever that guy is, that's what I want to compare Darnell Mooney to. I want him to be that. Be John Taylor to Jerry Rice. There you go. How's that? Any I pressure I, on the kid? I completely accept that. And by the way, there was one great, great thing about Jack Jackson before we take a break here. Jack Jackson had his full name written on, on the back of his jersey. Jack Jackson. That was amazing. Yeah. For the 20 minutes he was here, the one he thought he could play. Yeah, he's got great speed. He can't catch hey, anything, hey, the, Dave. The Bears had a Jack Jackson and a Todd Johnson. I mean, Bears. Right. Yeah, and I trusted Todd Johnson more, even though I wasn't sure he was fast <laughs> enough to play in the NFL. Take a break. Take a break. Yeah, all right, we'll take a break. We can come back. Crap. Top of the hour, we'll talk White Sox and Tony La Russa. Just deal with it. That's what our guest at the top of the hour is telling you. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody with you. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Saturday, suckage. Come top of the hour. Talk with Paul Sullivan. In the wake of the news columnist for the Chicago Tribune, we'll talk about Tony La Russa. And there was something interesting. Ken Rosenthal had interviewed Dave Dombrowski and... This is particular on and asked him a string of questions about Tony La Russa. Dave Dombrowski hired Tony La Russa, sat next to him for the 2018 season when Dombrowski was the guy in charge of the Red Sox and they won the World Series and La Russa was there. And he just said the age thing, he said, I sat next to him for two years. 
His passion, his focus is still there. That's not a question mark. Now, the question, and we heard it this week with Tim Anderson, LaRusso's ability to connect to young players. Here's Dave Dombrowski on Tony LaRusso. I understand people would have this question, but Tony, when he was with the Red Sox, our younger players migrated towards him when he was on the field. He communicated very well. Dombrowski also noted that LaRusso is bilingual. And he's very comfortable with younger players. I know it's a different relationship, but my children, they love him. And they're in their early 20s. They're player ages. He relates to very well to younger, play, younger people. So, Tim Anderson, did it strike you as tone deaf? Or did it, just a, did it go off? And all the things Tim Anderson was talking about this week, Mark, and he said LaRusa hadn't talked to him. This was a week after LaRusa had been introduced as manager, that LaRusa hadn't reached out to call him. Do you think LaRusa should have? Well, I think I think it would have been a good idea for the White Sox to set up a phone call to say, hey, and and I had kind of assumed that all that was taken, that they they heard the answers they wanted to hear from Tony LaRusa during the interview, presumably, right? Because they had, I mean, if the White Sox didn't ask, hey, what do you think about bat flipping and and chains and unbutton your shirts down to below your chest what do you think about all that and if he answered incorrectly then he wasn't going to be hired or at least i trust that that was the case so i think it probably would have been really good public relations for the white Sox to set up a meeting between maybe tony, do a zoom with tony la Russa and some of the players hey you guys have been hearing some things it doesn't have to be long and it doesn't have to be this like you know, painful hour long. Everybody chime in on this problem that we have, just uh, just to, to relax everybody. Just something simple like that, set up by the Sox. So I would I would say the Sox should have done that as opposed to Tony. Imposing Do you think his this will. is? It, could you perceive it, or could you understand how this might perceive be perceived as a <clears throat> power moved? He who makes the call has less power. Even though Tony LaRusse is the manager and the players are the player and there's a separation there, if you, if, if the White, maybe the White Sox approached him about it, said, you should make mm. this call to Tim Anderson and, and he's Jose like, Abreu. Nah. He goes, no, they need to call me. I'm the manager. You could see yeah, how I that it... might be something that happened, right? Yeah, and we don't know how much Tony LaRusse cares about this at this point. You know what I mean? Like, does he care that people are saying the things that they're saying? Does he care that people have the questions that they have? Does he? Does it matter to him? Because well, the players have those questions though. Absolutely. They want to be touched, reached out to. They want to have some, some see some form of communication established, however it goes. But do you? I just wonder if it's a power kind of thing. This is it. You're, we were here, you know, if, if the players are thinking, we were here before you were, you better reach out to us. Right. And I, I think that what we've learned about Tony La Russa in just his entire career, and I've dealt with him, and I know I think you have too at times from a media standpoint, that all this guy cares about is the X's and O's and winning games, for better or for worse. I mean, I, I don't think he's ever been known as a great communicator. I don't think he's ever been great with the media. Um, you know, there's times when he has, but he is, he is all about the game. So ultimately I just wonder if a lot of the other stuff for lack of a better word to him is just nonsense and he'll go with the flow and he'll say what he has to say, but maybe he won't actually feel that, that a little bit of, you know, just being a little bit disingenuous 
with this, saying what he has to say to get part past the PR part, and then just getting down to what he wants to do, and that's put a lineup card together and decide who's available out of the bullpen. <laughs> right? You know what? Let's run that by Paul Sullivan. Let's okay. take a break here. We'll run that because I do think I think there's a lot of truth in that, but I don't think that's the way the modern the modern game has to have some give in it, and it's not just simply the lineup and the, and the bullpen. Oh, and I'll <laughs> run something by Paulie and you too during that interview. Something that has not been brought up yet about oh. Tony Larusa and his future with the White Sox that I will ask Paul and I will throw to the entire class. Boom. There it is. Boomstick. He's Mark Rohde. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Thanks for listening. Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.